everybody, Bob Olson here with Afterlife TV. You can find us at afterlifetv.com. This is where we talk about the very big questions we all have about life and death. And this is a bite-sized episode that we've pulled from the vaults. Enjoy. I want to start the show off just talking about destiny and free will, especially when it comes to like your calling. So many people wonder, am I doing what I came here to do? What is my life purpose? We have these kinds of questions, right? And we have them not just in our 20s or 30s. We, we have them all the way through life sometimes. And we often go back to it, especially as we get older, we start to wonder if we did things the right way. I don't think there's a, a wrong way, to be honest with you. I think that we are led and guided by our soul. You might call that your higher self by your spirit guides, and it helps us to accomplish and experience what we came here to do, to know, to experience. I really think that life is just about experiences, and that's the purpose of having a human lifetime, why a soul would want to do such a thing. But I also think that so many of us think calling or purpose always has to be a profession. And that's certainly not the case. Being a parent, a loving parent, is a great calling. And sometimes it's just your calling might be your art, your writing. And it doesn't mean that thousands or millions of people have to be aware of what your art is. Maybe you write books and only a few people read them. Maybe you create beautiful pieces of artwork and only a few people see them, that doesn't matter. That doesn't change it, make it less significant. If you're doing what you love to do, that would certainly be an indication that you're living your purpose, what you came here to do. A lot of times it's just about what we're drawn to. You know, we talk about destiny, and I know a lot of people wonder that. First of all, you know, to me, destiny is just what our soul what, you know, what we as a soul, as a whole self, intended to experience when we came here. To, and, and that's really about having experiences that we can't have in the spirit world. Let's just use me as, me as an example. If my soul wanted to do the work that I'm doing now, if that was part of my soul's plan, one might call that my destiny. And what I think is cool is that sometimes we can look back into our childhood even, and we can see little clues of maybe how we're being prepared for that calling along the way. Now, the other example that I used, if you have some kind of a great talent or skill for something, whether that be athletics or, as I said, art in, in its many forms, you might have a great singing voice or you might just be as a child, you might be like Lucy on peanuts, you know, who's counseling other kids and, and helping them through their challenges. You don't know, but it's easier in hindsight when we get older and we look back and we go, wow, maybe I was intended to do this all along. I certainly see things that were preparing me for this along the way. I do believe that our free will trumps destiny. 
I think some people worry that if their destiny is to do something different, that they have no choice, that that's what they're going to end up doing. People often are fearful that they're not meant to have wealth. They're not meant to have success at whatever it is that they're trying to be successful at. I don't believe that's true. I, I believe that we come here to have certain experiences, but I also believe that our free will is really what's in charge here. And so if you want to call something flow, when you're flowing, when you're flowing uh, in life, you're flowing in coordination with what your guides are trying to move you toward. The flow between free will and destiny would just simply be following your intuition, in a sense, following your gut, doing what you're drawn to do. If you're drawn to sing, if you're drawn to do a podcast, if you're drawn to be a therapist or a lawyer, it doesn't matter if that's what you're drawn to do, that's, uh, that's a good sign that that is somehow related to your destiny. Now, I don't think we can go wrong. I don't think, you know, if you use your free will to say, yeah, I kind of feel drawn to that, but I'm not doing it because whatever, intellectually, I want to do something else. That's fine. And your soul is not going to care. It's going to be very detached because you're having a different experience. It might not be the one that you, you decided as, a, as your whole self, your soul, when you chose this life, but it's an experience nonetheless. It's an experience that you as a soul is going to learn and grow from. So for my calling, if, if you can call this work that I do in the afterlife field a calling, I get a couple of things. Uh, one, uh, I, I look back and, and anybody that has the book, they, they're already aware of this and the acknowledgements I talk about Melissa and how when we were kids, we actually started dating when she was 11 and uh, I was a few, three years older. So while we're still just getting to know each other, she purchased a book for me titled Don't Be Afraid to Die. It's written by a woman named Gladys Hunt. And, and it has, that has a religious uh, slant to it. And I don't even know that I ever read it. I remember that when she gave it to me, I thought it was odd. <laughs> but I also wondered, you know, I'm not sure if she gave this to me because I did have a fascination with death back then. I recognized that there was something powerful about death. Or she gave it to me because it only cost a dollar twenty-five, <laughs> which is another possibility. Maybe it was a combination of the two. I don't know. I didn't care because I loved it because it came from her. I still have that book today. And in hindsight, now, how many years later, I don't even know, 40 years later, I hold this book and I think, wow, I mean, that's kind of, it's almost like a little foreshadowing of what was to come. Now, another experience that I had that I feel like maybe was preparing me for this work very early in my life was when I had, I had a cousin named Matthew. He was five years old. It was actually my cousin and his wife who, you know, who had Matthew. So, you know, I guess that's a second cousin. Matthew was my second cousin. A beautiful, just, oh my goodness, just beautiful little boy in, in every way. He had some older 
siblings who were playing out in the yard and, and they were all just sort of playing out in the yard, not necessarily together. They were just out there. And the older siblings ended up going across the street. And when Matthew became aware of that at some point, he decided he would run across to, to be with them. And he ran across the street and was, was hit by a car. I was still a young man becoming an adult, I guess you might say. Me and my parents and my sister rushed off to the hospital to support Matthew's parents. You know, we were, we were all in shock, as I know many of you know this experience. But one of the interesting things uh, that I don't really know why it happened, but the, the doctor came out and, and Matthew, of course, they were unable to save him. And the doctor came out and asked if anybody wanted to see Matthew. And for some reason, you know, obviously the parents went in, but some reason I went in with him. I guess there's a part of me that wishes my parents had grabbed me and said, just, you know, let them be alone. But we were a close knit family and they didn't seem to mind. I don't think that was ever an issue. We went in there and this is the first time that I, I, I had ever seen anything like this and experienced anything like this. But that scene has forever stayed in my mind and perhaps was one of the experiences that drove me to do what I do today. Well, that evening after being in the hospital and seeing Matthew, I couldn't sleep. That's probably just, everybody does that, right? But uh, I couldn't sleep. And finally at two o'clock in the morning, I woke up. Uh, I shouldn't say I woke up, I got up. And I, I had this poem in my head, like I had to write out whatever it was I was feeling. And what I was feeling was I was worrying about his parents and what they were going through. And uh, I wrote this poem and I always thought of it really, you know, from Matthew's mother's voice, sort of in my head, imagining what she must be feeling. I, I wrote this poem out. And when I wrote it out, as soon as it was done, I was able to go to bed and, and sleep. So for whatever reason, I then ended up sharing it with the parents later. And the mother said, you know, it was something that she just carried it with her everywhere because it, it helped her a great deal. Now that's just, you could say God working through me, really. Uh, I just served as a channel in a way for these words so that the parents and especially the mother had some words for herself, perhaps to comfort her, perhaps just to create a paradigm from which she could deal with this horribly tragic situation. And I still have that poem here and I thought I'd read it for you because I know there's a lot of people out there who uh, it might be helpful to. There'll be a link in the show notes if, if you need it written down. I titled it In Memory of Matthew. Many happy times we shared, your smile will never leave me. That smirk of love that showed you cared was there whenever need be. You brought to me five gifted years, and now I long to hold you. I think of you and drown in tears because I know I told you. Please be careful. Please go slow. Do not run in the street. But you, so young, how could you know? the danger you would meet. They say, don't cry, 
Be brave, be strong, but they don't know my sorrow. Life seems unfair, so mean, so wrong. How will I face tomorrow? For you, my son, filled every day with sunshine, love, and kindness. Those memories now pave my way through the shadows of my blindness. You know that I am grateful. God blessed my life with thee. And now that you are ready, you shall spend the rest with he. I know it's right that you so nice should rise through heaven's gate. And even if you had looked twice, there's no escaping God's planned fate. I understand you're with him now, and joy is yours forever. He sent us you to teach us how to take life lightly never. And now I've learned, and you shall see, how all you taught will better me. As you would want, life will go on, but not without your spirit. With you in mind, I'll rise each dawn with a smile like you would wear it. And one day, too, will I be blessed to rejoice with God as you do. And on that day, my prayers will rest to rejoin with you, my Matthew. I should mention that this show is sponsored by bestpsychicdirectory.com. As I explained in the last episode, Best Psychic Directory is my site where I have vetted psychics and mediums and animal communicators and tarot readers. You know, I gave you a little background. I'll be brief about it today that this site is not just created to put a bunch of psychics and mediums up there. So much of this came from me being scammed by psychics when my father died well over 20 years ago, and I decided to use my skills as a private eye to investigate life after death. That led me to psychics and eventually mediums, and early on I was scammed. And so this is a big reason why I became an expert on psychics and mediums and have used my expertise in order to vet all the psychics and mediums and animal communicators and tarot readers on bestpsychicdirectory.com so that you don't have to become an expert or a private investigator in order to get a good reading. So if you love this show, please support the psychics and mediums on bestpsychicdirectory.com. So that's another episode of Afterlife TV. Thank you for joining us. Please like us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, or sign up for our newsletter at afterlifetv.com so you don't miss our next episode. See you next time.